Hey guys, and welcome back. Today we have someone that I've known for a long time. I still remember when we first met. She is someone that I met on Instagram, and then we became friends over the course of years. She is a wonderful chef on board. She's a blooming flight attendant, if you will. And without further ado, Miss Kate Carruth. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> morning, girl. Yeah, good to see you. It's so good to see you. You just got back from somewhere fun, right? Yes, I was a bunch of places. I was in Japan uh, for our, the last week. And before that, I was in the Caribbean and in New York City, which is always a fun place to wow. get as flight attendant, I think. Yeah, always. It's one of my favorite cities. Yes, Hoboken is like up and coming. Like, you know, there's just a lot going on there. Yeah, love it. Um, you know, Tokyo is really popping right now. I know probably like 10 people there at the moment. Well, the cherry blossom just happened. So, oh, is that why? Yeah, it just ended. So the last, you know, two to three weeks was the Cherry Bloom Festival and all of that. So definitely popping off in <laughs> Tokyo. I got like the very end of the bloom. So it was a uh, beautiful, amazing. I understand why it's such a big deal and so magical, but. I get lucky sometimes when I travel. You always get lucky. Like, I feel like you are just, you always get fun stories. Like, yeah, I just feel like I, every time I talk to you, I get a little frustrated because I'm like, I'm like sitting in my room, like watching Netflix and needing room service. And you're like out living your best life, meeting all these fun people. And I instantly feel like a bad flight attendant. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> I Meanwhile, I'm over here. I have it now that I am home. After like three weeks on the road, I'm just sort of hermiting and don't like haven't texted my friends that I'm in town again, haven't made any plans, did like all laundry all day yesterday. Ooh, the first laundry session when you get back is when you like are really, you know, you're home for a minute and it feels good. It does feel good. It doesn't bother me at all. I like to do it all, put it all on my like in a, you know, clean laundry in a pile. I wait till it's all clean. And then I'll put on a movie or something and just have a little folding session. I honestly have been putting that off in my own room at this, the moment. And I'm really jealous. I've been home for like a week now and I've done a little bit, but it's like a tornado in there. So I like it took like a small corner. It feels overwhelming. You caught sometimes sometimes I do have to wait till it's like in a really bad situation that I'm like, all right, finally, let's go. And then it's fun. I always get kind of frustrated with myself because sometimes I'll wait till the night before a trip and then I'm like, I can't leave it like this. I need to come home to a whole like clean house and I'll stay up till like 2 a.m. doing something that I should have done days ago. And that, yeah, it's sometimes that's what happens. I don't stay up till 2 a.m. like ever um, if I could help it. But I also have the problem where I'm like, I need to come home to a clean house. So I have to, it's like one more thing on my to-do list. Before I leave for a trip, I'm like clean everything. I was just bonding with a friend of ours over that, like how that is something I will go cuckoo for is if I don't leave my house clean before I go to a trip, I, I, I've lost. I'm done. I can't. I can't do it anymore. There's been like one situation where I recently got home, home from a road trip the same day I left for an, like a work trip and I got home with like an hour at home before I had to leave for the airport. And so I had to literally just like dump and run. Yeah. And I came home from that trip just dreading 
this mess of a house that I left. And I was like, oh, was it a good deal or was it like, bye? It was a good deal. Like I couldn't pass it up. Like, you no, know, no, but- I mean, when you got home from the trip, was it as, I mean, when you got home, oh. it was messy. Was it soul crushing or you're like, actually, this isn't a big deal to leave the house a little messy. And I- that was a little soul crushing. Honestly, okay. I was like, oh, <laughs> and I like no matter how tired I am, I will stay up that night, even if I get in at midnight, just to get it to where I'm like calm enough that I can sleep. Yeah. And then I'm even so crazy that if I don't get it to where I want it, I have to make a list for the next day in order of what I need to do to like calm myself down before I go to sleep. Okay. Are all flight attendants this neurotic? Because I do that shit too. Am I alone? Yeah. You're allowed to cuss. You're okay. I cannot have a podcast not cussing. That is not who I am. To my core, I would not be telling you guys the truth. I would be putting on a facade. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm the same way. And I also, I'll joke with my roommate about this because um, I'm like, the state of my room is often a reflection of the state of my brain. Like, I say that too. Okay. If I go, if if my room has been pretty disastrous for a couple days, like just know I'm unwell. I'm- yes. Yeah. 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 I'm struggling up top. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, the outward show of how I'm doing inwardly. So when I have time to like, that's the first step that needs to happen when I'm like organizing myself, I have to first clean my space and then my brain starts to declutter as well. I love that. Well, and you've been doing this a while too, which I want to get into that. I want to talk about how you got started as a flight attendant because you have a fun story, I think. Oh, well, it was by accident. Totally. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I, 10 years ago, actually, no, let's see, it was in 2012. So it'll be more than a decade ago. I know that's crazy. Um, That's fun to say more than a decade ago. And flying for more than a fancy. Wow. I know. I'm a senior mama. Get this girl a medal. Yes. Uh, Yeah. It was suggested to me. And, I was like, no, that's not a real job. I'm not going to be a flight attendant. And they're like, oh, but you love people and culture and travel. You you should do it. And I was sort of just like, whatever. It was kind of like a why not thing. And it was just convenient. And I went to the interview like, totally on a whim, basically. And uh, yeah, then it just happened really fast after that. And then I was like, you're wow. talking... I love that. And you're talking about for commercial, right? Yeah, it was for commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how long did you, how long were you in that? Uh, since 2012. And then I got bored pretty quickly um, with the job. I loved, I loved traveling. I loved the service and the people, but I could do the job in my sleep after, you know, a couple months to a year. Just kind of a lot at first that you have to learn. But then once you get in that routine with commercial, you're like, oh, this is easy. I was the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Same same story for me. Mad respect for airline flight attendants because they have to put up with a lot more than I think we do on the daily in a way. And they are very well trained. I have a massive respect for them. Love that they make it work. I It wasn't for me, though. Yeah, same. And I have to say, I look back at that, especially when I first started, even though I was like dirt poor as the like bottom of the seniority list flight attendant on call, 
um, terrible schedule, you know, making the lowest amount of money at the time. And I was so happy though. Like I traveled a ton. Yeah. I, it was, uh, it was challenging in, in working with other people, but, um, or like dealing with customers, but it was not too hard. I was, I just had a lot of fun. I was really happy. So, yeah. I honestly think about it now. I'm like, I think maybe I could go back now, like later in my, like do private a few more years. And then I'm like, oh, it might be fun to go back. And like the training I could do without the four to six weeks of training. Don't care to relive that. Um, However, I'm like, I could totally do it. Like once I, you know, have established myself and then just kind of like do it for the travel benefits and enjoy that, you know? Yeah. Um, Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Me though, I, and this was in my um, 20s, early 20s. Yeah. So I was just, I was still really ambitious, I guess, um, and a glutton for punishment or something. I feel that on a very, very real level. And you're like, I need to be in pain. Something is like moving in my core. (laughs) Something's burning where my heart is. I don't know why. (laughs) You're like, and I like it. Oh, I love it. Love the pain. <laughs> so I started, I wasn't ready to give up flying though. So I just started looking for side hustles while I was still doing commercial. And I found some side hustles. I, I dabbled in a couple of things over the years. I did marketing a little bit. I uh, ended up managing some apartments and Airbnb, like short-term rentals and accidentally turned that into like a business. <laughs> and then at some point I was introduced to private flying from a friend just because I was constantly having conversations with people about like looking for opportunities and wanting to make money and hustle and stuff. And and to mention also you live in LA, which is like a massive hub for this industry. Yeah. Which I had honestly no idea about. I never thought about private. I didn't know anyone who did it. I didn't until this one girl on one of my flights, actually on a commercial flight, um, started talking to me about it. She's like, I think that's something that you might really like because it combines both everything you love about flying and travel, but then you have that higher level of service. You have the challenge. I mean, we all know how it is, right? Like it's definitely, yeah. you have, it meets that need of being challenged and the excitement yeah. and stress that you want kind of. We- we're like adrenaline junkies for that. Like flight attendants really are, especially the ones in private that have 12,000 different jobs to maintain. It's like we love to juggle all the different hats. Yeah. Yeah. So that's literally what this podcast is about is how many different hats we wear and how to function. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I love it. How to thrive if you will. (laughs) Um, so I have a question. So you started getting interested. And I think this is around the time where you reached out to me on Instagram. And I don't even know if, I can't remember if you had even done your first private flight when you and I met, when we met at Jones on 3rd. I had because I got my first couple of trips under my belt before I really knew anything about the industry. And it was after that that I started, I was like, I love this. I need to learn everything about it. I found Kara's uh, flight attendant life. I saw one of her YouTube videos of her catering shopping with Griffin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 
I was like, wait a second, that Whole Foods is my Whole Foods. Like that's in my neighborhood. And then I got all excited and I found her on Instagram. And then that kind of started my low-key stalking. Low-key stalking. (laughs) I was like, I have to force all these people to be my friend. No, we all do it. It's okay. (laughs) No, but I honestly, I was, I sent her a DM. I was like, she's probably, you know, she's like, so popular and amazing and established like she's never gonna see my dm or get back to me but i was like gotta shoot my shot and i sent her a dm was like hi i'm in the area i'd love to you know buy you coffee or lunch and pick your brain i'm new to this and she was so nice and then you know the rest is history but love that i definitely connected with you through that as i was trying to find flight attendants and that i could learn from and who are inspiring and Yeah, and then we got to meet up, and that was super fun. And now you've been doing it ever since. And now, yeah, and then that just took off. I committed, I stopped all my other jobs and went full-time into private as a contractor first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was contracting and then was offered a full-time, and then that ended, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, and I was in a bad way. in a bad place um and then going through burnout and that sort of dealing with that and then contracted again and now I'm back um with another full-time position yeah that's and you've been in your new full-time position for a good minute too time flies when you're having fun man I had no idea it had been that long well and so we wanted you know I want to dive further into you were talking about like your your first full time gig as a corporate flight attendant when you when you left there. When did you realize that you were burned out, and how how what was that process like? Oh man, uh, no big deal. Just no casual big, question. <laughs> let me dive into the trauma quickly. Let's get it. <laughs> um, well, I definitely when I was in it. Um, like before the job, before I left that job, yeah. Um, I knew things were hard and stressful. Um, but I didn't realize how bad it was until I left the job, yeah. and that's when I realized that I had completely neglected every other area of my life. And yeah, I had poured everything into the job so that when that piece got removed. I had nothing left to fall back on. It felt like I was just completely depleted in every area. Like a shell. Yeah. Um, physically, I had lost a ton of weight, um, hadn't been eating well, hydrating well, just very physically unwell, um, mentally and emotionally, um, very not myself at all. Yeah, I I was depressed, which I didn't realize. It took me a minute to realize that. Um, to realize in what bad shape I was in. Um, yeah. My relationships, uh, I had been neglecting. I hadn't talked to like my family, even my friends, hadn't seen them, hadn't made time for them. Um, even my partner, like very wonderful and supportive and like, oh my God, I can't believe you stuck with me through. <laughs> like, yeah. I Because I was extremely moody as well, like not being able to regulate my emotions very well. So you know, in a constant state of stress and like fight or flight mode kind of, 
Yeah. And, and it was sort of, I'm a little embarrassed to say that I wasn't able to recognize those signs within myself until I hit rock bottom. And I really had no choice but to accept the completely devastated state that I had put myself in. Well, I don't think that's embarrassing at all because I actually like, you, you know, my story, which is very similar to yours, honestly, like ours are almost side by side, com- like very com- comparable. Um, however, one thing that you said, I I want to do a follow up question on you said, I couldn't realize it for a while that I was depressed. Why do you think that was? Because I, I struggled with this, too, where I remember being six months into therapy this just recently, like probably last year sometime. And I remember the first time my therapist was like, so how are you doing with your depression? And I looked at her and I said, excuse you, I am not depressed. I'm going through a rough patch. I am not depressed. And she was like, why do you feel strongly against this word? And it was my homework to come back the next week and be able to say, I am going through a depression. And that that was really hard for me because I was like, I am not someone that's depressed. Like that is, I am a happy person. I, I am happy, gosh darn it. Nope, not true. I came back the next week and I had a mini meltdown about, oh my God, I'm depressed. I didn't realize it. Why? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Yeah. He's like, now I've done pack that and my depression. Um, add that to the list. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's, I feel like the type of personality that ends up in this career, we tend to be pretty, uh, we're a bit control freaks, maybe, uh, type A, maybe. Ambitious, where we want to be the best, I think is a trait. Yeah. You know, those are pretty common in our industry. And I, it's interesting. Uh, we have similar stories here and I've talked to other flight attendants who have again the same kind of story of the more you talk about it the the more you hear about it yeah exactly uh but i think for me i didn't yeah i didn't know what was happening because one i hadn't heard a lot of people talk about it in our industry you know everyone else seems to be out there hustling just as hard as me and being fine so i was sort of I remember I even posted a story about this on Instagram where I was like, am I being, am I just being a little weakling? Do I just need to buck up and try harder? Or am I genuinely, it, it is, are the circumstances too hard for me right now? Um, and I had a ton of people respond to that, which was cool. Like in a good way, being like, no, you're not alone. Yes. Tons of people saying like, I feel this too. And I think I was one of those people. Yeah. where, And it seemed like we all didn't know the answer, but we were all like, wait, yeah, am I, is, or do we just need to try harder and push harder? Or is this a problem where, where we need some boundaries? Um, and it's funny, I, cause I, I posted those things and I sort of started talking about it with some people, but even then I was, I was flirting with the line of burnout and I didn't stop and I went all the way over the edge which is how I like ended up at rock bottom yeah I don't know I it took me a while to realize I think just because I felt like I needed it was against my identity to be depressed like I'm strong 
I'm successful. I'm doing my affirmations. I wasn't doing affirmations at the time, but I, you know, don't lie to me. (laughs) Yeah. Being depressed is like, that's not me. That's not, it felt like that was a sign of failure or something in some way. Um, And I don't, yes, fail, right? We can't fail. I had hours where I had this conversation with my therapist where it was like, Everything I was saying about my mental health was that I felt like a failure. My depression felt like a failure. My anxiety felt like a failure. My panic attacks felt like a public failure. (laughs) It was it was uncontrollable. And she was like, why are your connections with all of these mental health issues that you're having about failure? Like, why are you surrounding yourself with that narrative? Oh, man, that gives me chills because. (laughs) Yeah, that's I don't. And maybe. People in other industries are that way too, but I I think the people who end up as flight attendants a lot, we are very hard on ourselves. We keep a very high standard of um, you know doing the work and being perfect when as whenever we can. Um, it's like it's like the white glove like persona we want to give us. Yeah, you always need to be poised. Like even if you have other stuff going on, you you're able to push it away and be what you need to be in the moment. And so when it happens that you're like, I can't be that anymore, the whole facade comes down and you're like, who am I? What do yeah. I, what do I? Well, and you touched on that. You posted that post on your stories on social media. My take is that social media has made it so much worse for us, not just like us as flight attendants, but for just the generation growing up with Instagram in general. Love Instagram. It's great. I spend way too much time on there. However, I think that it is so toxic sometimes to our mental health. And I know you've taken breaks from Instagram. And I should. Uh, I just like won't go on it for a bit. But, um, you know, everything from like from our job to like people posting, you know, their perfect welcome tables and their perfect hair and all of this stuff that's supposed to be just so and it is it's beautiful for them and I'm so glad that they get that experience that is not my experience with aviation I get garbage juice in my shoes like when I'm taking out the trash I'm cleaning the toilet and like drop an earring in I'm like picking up someone's puke that they handed me like there are other sides of it that are not perfect or glamorous and we don't post about that and I think it's like it's the same thing with like housing stuff like when people post their perfect house I'm like that is not a real house that is not lived in yeah (laughs) show me the empty coffee cup on the coffee table please because that is my life like sorry that's my high horse but how do you think social media has affected your perception of that do you think that kind of played a factor in why you thought those things should be a certain way um possibly I uh now I definitely take social media always with a grain of salt and I I do have to check myself but I'm like okay this isn't real this isn't the full story this isn't yeah you know I can appreciate the good of that moment and the perfection of that moment that they captured but just remember like oh man there's so much more story there's a flip side to it there's garbage shoes in their nice shoes they're in it I swear yeah I uh I mean (laughs) I because I post like only food stuff and I uh, I mostly share. I, the reason I started a work account finally was 
only because I was like, wow, I'm getting so much from this community, getting so much inspiration. And like, I go here all the time for my menu planning and ideas and stuff. And I was like, I need to give back in some way because I'm only taking right now. So that was why I started my work account and why I post mostly food. I'm not sharing like myself or whatever. I love that. But uh, well, I have people sometimes that are like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And I will try and say like, I mean, thank you. I have worked really hard for that. But also remember, I don't post a lot of the bad picture. <laughs> like I definitely yeah. had meals that are not very pretty and maybe did not taste as good and stuff. And I'm not like shouting those from the rooftops all the time, um, unless there's a value lesson of like what not to do. But sometimes it's just a swing and a miss. Absolutely. I started doing that last year where I thought it would be funny to be like the real voice of a flight attendant or not the real voice, but like a different version of the voice that we often get, which is the perfect pictures. So I started posting my not so great platings or like the ones that were maybe not to my full expectation of what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And I would put like on the side of this picture, like my intent was blah, 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 blah. This is what happened. Yeah. Does that make it a failure? No. Does it make it my best dish ever? No, but it's real. Not all of them, unfortunately, at least where I'm at in my career, not all of my plates are going to be Michelin star 100% perfect. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. But I also feel like that's sort of the fun part of this job is that I can always feel myself learning and getting better. Love that. There's still room for growth, which means that I'm not bored yet. <laughs> I love that. And so do you feel like you're still like that with your mental health too? Like you went through this huge, like you were forced almost into this huge learning curve of your mental health and how to get out of burnout, which I would love to talk about how you got out and how you worked out that within yourself. Yeah. Um, that was a, a big learning curve for me. And I, I like talking about it now because I felt like I didn't know anyone who had really gone through something like that um, and I felt, I don't know, I just didn't have any direction. I know there's people that have been in similar circumstances and I want them to know like, Hey, you can like, if you need someone to talk to or you're not alone, like a lot of us have been through that and have felt that way. Um, for me though, the first couple steps, one, I stopped flying, which ho I hope no one else gets to that point, but I was to a point where the idea of getting on a plane felt very traumatic and terrible. Yeah. And I I made a couple resumes. I was like, I got to switch careers. I'm done with aviation, <laughs> um, which I'm so happy that I've been able to heal and come back because I do love this job. Um, but at the time, it was uh, my worst nightmare. And I was like, I can never do this again. Um, but so I stopped flying and I started... I honestly, for me, I had to go back to the basics of these baby steps. My goals were to eat three meals a day. And that was it. That was like my only goal for the day. It was all I could handle. I get that. <laughs> that was at my very lowest early on. Um, I couldn't even cook at my lowest. So I feel no. you on that. Yeah, it was, you know, an oatmeal in the morning and you know, whatever I could handle. Yeah. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was healthy or not. It was like 
just make sure you're eating. Sustenance. Yeah. And it was, that was literally the only thing that I could handle. I like the only task that I could manage during the day. Mm. Um, it was as bad shape. So I got, I knew it, but I, at that point I knew I was in bad shape. I was like, yeah, yeah, crying every day, which is not a normal thing for me. And I was like, just my moods were all over the place. And I was like, all right, this is not good. I need help. So I got into therapy as well, which is so much easier than I think a lot of people realize these days with apps and stuff. And then um, mm-hmm. a lot of insurances cover it too or offer um, uh, have employees Telehealth. programs. Yeah. Um, who will cover yeah. like Whatever, if you're with a company full-time with anyone, you can ask if they have an EAP, an employee assistance program, yep. which coincides with your health insurance. And it offers things like um, usually, you know, three to five ther- free, free, completely free therapy sessions a year, um, along with a bunch of other resources. Like if you want to talk to someone about fin- financial stuff, <laughs> um, yeah, finances or like lawyers or, you know, stuff like legal help stuff like that um, all the fun things yeah but there's also like better health or no better help talk space live health there's a bunch of these uh remote therapy apps and stuff yeah which are awesome especially in our jobs so i got They're in a great that. resource yeah i got in that which was very um so helpful for me having a therapist to unload my emotions on and help me have some direction and set some goals but mostly she taught me about self-compassion as well which I know you sort of talked about this with your therapist when you know you felt like everything was a failure uh we're both people who are very hard on ourselves instead of having some self-compassion like Kate you've been through a lot right now and you're struggling and that's okay and the answer isn't to keep kicking yourself while you're down you need to take care of yourself so well and I know one thing I think you and I talked about sorry um I think when I was going Kate was one of the first people that knew I was going through a hard time she I knew she had been through it I knew her story I went running to her help me help me um I think it sounded just like that, but there were probably tears. Um, But I think one thing that I can't remember if it were you or someone else, but I feel like it was you. You know, I was beating myself up and you said, what would you tell me if you were trying to if I was saying what you're saying? What would what advice would you give me? And you were like, you I know what you would tell me. It would be that you're okay, you're human and that this is normal and you're not a failure. Yeah. Self-compassion, bro. Yeah, it's counterintuitive to us sometimes, but um, very healing and necessary. Yeah, that was the first steps for me uh, getting my shit back together. Yeah, it's a, that shit. It, it's hard to get back in one place. Yeah, and then after that, after I, um, you know, was physically, mentally, and emotionally healed, I... Uh, Got back into flying a little bit, just dipped my toe in and was like, okay, wait, I do still like this, I think. Um, but I 
went about it a totally different way than I had before. Um, because of what happened, because I had pushed I all my limits, basically. Um, didn't really have any boundaries to push at the time beforehand, but um now I knew where my boundaries needed to be so that I wouldn't be in that position again. And so as I was contracting, I was not looking for a full-time job at all. Um, but even in contracting, I had boundaries for myself. I put a limit on the number of days I was going to work or how I match like saying yes to a trip, which is very hard, as you know, and, and everyone who contracts knows it's hard to say no to things. You know, you constantly feel like if you miss an opportunity, then, you know, when is the next one going to come? And it could hurt your relationship with that company long term or whatever. And I realized that that was not the case, that most of my fears really weren't incredibly legitimate Um, because I at that point, I was incredibly motivated to stick to my boundaries because I had just come from such a traumatic place that I was like, I'm never going Something there. that broke you. Yeah, it literally I, I broke you. Never, I will never go there again. And now I'm, I recognize the signs to, um, you know, to get to that point for myself. So, well, and can you talk about what those signs are and what they could be for anyone in general and maybe what yours were? And then, yeah. Yeah. For me, um, paying attention to your physical health is important. Um, I notice like when I, these are, I even do this, um, you know, when I'm on a work trip, I still need to make sure that I'm eating and I don't know if you do this, but on like long days and you're serving everyone else and like, it just feels too busy. It's hard to make time to actually feed yourself. Um, so paying attention to your physical health your emotions for me, it's when I'm not able to regulate them. So I feel myself, yeah, just like my emotions are sort of taking over me or affecting the way that I interact with people that I love and my friends or strangers. Um, I'm like, okay, wait, that's not me. And that's not how I want to be. So once I see those signs, it's like, all right, Kate, you probably need to take a little better care of yourself. You're like sort of losing it. Um, And also, maybe this is just me, but uh, my brain is very, it runs very hot. It's very active. Um, always, it's always going. I might ha- have some undiagnosed um, ADHD or something. I don't know. But I have very vivid dreams and all that. It like never sleeps. So when I'm working a lot, that gets even worse. And my it's like my brain turns into problem solving mode all the time, um, which that's how it is when I'm at work. It's, you know, there's so many variables for us to think about and problems for us to constantly be solving, right? Um, or even thinking through potential problems that we might have to potentially solve in the flight. And what happens to me if I'm working too much if I'm giving too much to work and not balancing with the rest of my life is my brain will not turn off of work mode when I get home and I've started to get better at recognizing that and that's when I really know like okay okay you need to be like doing meditation helps me a lot um with 
trying to get my brain back to a restful state and like a bat more balanced state. Um, so I'll start prioritizing that, like, okay, make sure you're sleeping, make sure you're eating well. And that sort of will pull me back, like reground me um, in a healthy place. So I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. I think it's unique for everybody. Yeah, I think that's what works for you. And it might be what works for someone else that's listening, which is great. But like mine looks different as well. And so it's like everyone finds what works for them. And I love that it does have a broad spectrum of like, yeah, just kind of like finding your right fit and then self-tailoring it for you. And it changes like, you know, we're talking about burnout for you, which I don't know if was it tied to anything else? Like for me, I was having panic attacks, anxiety, depression. I think I had a touch of burnout like that I just went through, but it definitely wasn't as severe as yours. But but I that that's my that's my lineup. I have four things. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was burnout uh, from work and and like to the point of not being not wanting to come back at all to the industry. Um, and along with that came depression. Um, and I was also dealing with grief from a friend uh, that had passed away, which I thought I had, that had happened like a year prior. Um, and I sort of thought that I was doing okay, but I was not. And that ended up coming up again. My therapist is like, and how about how you're not over the grief? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I'm healing from that. And she's like, no, you're not. Um, so love it when our therapists call us out on stuff. Oh, so much. So much. I, Mine kept like, I kept like tying things up with a bow and being like, okay, packed it up, tied it up with a bow. Let's put it away. And then like, and I would be like, I feel so great. Like, I feel like a new person. And then the next session, I would be like, if freaking like came back exploded on me and now I don't even have a box to put this issue in and I have to start all over like what the fuck (laughs) and my therapist would be like that's a drastic change from last week I think you're not okay I think we had to work a lot on I wanted to go in for like minimal sessions and be just good and that's unfortunately not how it works Like, I think that it's important. I I kind of think of it as like, I don't know. It's something that you have to continually work on. It's not something that's just like, I had depression. I had anxiety. It's like, no matter how I'm doing with it, it's always kind of there. And it's just that you've now, you know, found your medicine, quote unquote, whether it be actual medicine that is helping you with those issues or like, lifestyle habits that have changed how you're able to deal with them and again we are also not here to teach you how to we are just telling our experiences of them and this was mine like I found habits and techniques like my therapist and I did tapping I literally had a breakdown in Whole Foods once in the middle of catering for a flight they didn't have something I needed at 10 p.m at night and I had a full-on breakdown my friend was with me I started crying she was I started tapping at the deli counter on my wrists and on my trigger spots. And she was like, like, do you need a minute? I was like, I'm going to take a lap and keep tapping. And that was one of my low moments. And honestly, that was, I thought I was at my lowest. And then something happened on that trip. That was when I had my head injury, that trip. So then the next day I suffered from a head injury on board and 
I thought I was at my lowest and I was definitely not. <laughs> so it's constant upkeep. So when you look back to where you like your mental state at that time, because I, I remember talking to you at that time and you were still sort of like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, I'm fine. And I'm like, I don't think you're fine. I don't think you're I don't think this is good. And you're like, it's fine. And um, yeah, so looking. I love that that's now, your view of me. Looking back now, uh, how do you how would you say you were doing? Like if you saw another person being where you were at at the time, what would you say to them now? For those at home, I wish you could see this interaction with Kate and I right now because I can't decide whether to laugh or cry because I think it's so funny because so many people have told me that like I was like, God, I was like such a Debbie Downer and a negative Nancy. And they were like, no, you weren't. You kept saying you were fine as the shit was going on around you and to you. And I was like, but I'm good. I'm fine. Like, you know, I'm that Ross meme from Friends. Like, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was my number one used one of 2022. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, looking back, I obviously was not fine. Um, I had all of these things going on. And I would like it known that those like anxiety, uh, panic attacks, burnout, exhaustion, depression. I didn't come to terms with that until, I don't know, probably late December, early January. And then I thought I was getting better. And then something happened and I went down another spiral because, like I said, it's upkeep. And if something happens that like reminds you, sends you back, you can just take 10 steps back after working so hard for those 10 steps. Um, so looking back, my story is very similar to yours where it's like, yeah, for two years, I should have known that I was not fine. I was pushing myself in every direction. I was pushing myself away from people and away from things or I would do the opposite where I would push myself into them to prove that I was still able to juggle all these things, which would then make me even more tired. I was putting so much into work. And on top of that, I didn't have a good work life. Like I didn't have a great work atmosphere. Um, so there was a lot of toxicity and um, degrading that was happening at work for me on top of lots of other stuff that ended up happening. But um, so looking back, my signs were um, kind of the opposite. Actually, I gained weight because I wasn't taking care of my body. I wasn't working out. That was like one of the first things to go for me was like I gave up my health routine. And so I was kind of the opposite. I wish I had lost weight even though I wouldn't have any healthy. <laughs> but sometimes life doesn't work out. It's fine. Um, but, you know, that now I'm like actually working with a trainer because I was like I gained weight. And that was like actually a sign for me looking back that I was unhappy because I stopped working out. Um, my eating habits went to absolute shit. Like, I don't know what it would be like. I ate one meal a day and it would be like gluten free mac and cheese. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it would be like the most simple thing or it would be takeout because and that was another sign was like I stopped cooking for myself because I was cooking for work yeah. and it was taking everything out of me, like everything. I love cooking. Normally, like that's why I look forward to going home and being not on the road is to cook at home. Yeah. And that went out the window. And then there were just like tons of other things that are very similar to yours. So very similar symptoms, I guess, or signs, um, but different for everyone, obviously. Um, and now I would say like 
even it took me five months in therapy to when, you know, when you were saying like, I was still saying I'm fine. It took four more months after that until I realized, oh, I'm not fine. And I think that's kind of intriguing that it's that whole failure concept. Like I thought if I admitted that I wasn't fine, it was a failure. I thought if I put this like bandaid of I'm going to therapy, I'm trying to do the work, then I will be fine. If I say it, if I'm doing the steps, I'm automatically fine. Tis not true. If you want to cheat sheet to therapy, step number one, admit that you're absolutely not fine and like need and and accepting that part of yourself, which is so hard. It's weird that it's such a hard step, but it I think it it's is the like hardest one. That first step of taking care of yourself is you first have to acknowledge where you're at and accept it and be okay with it. Like not to be cheesy, but it is. I, I'm gonna come off cheesy, but it's like the the airline, you know, oxygen mask. You've got to put on your own before you can even think about anything else around you. I think that really is great for this podcast and for a metaphor because it it's it, it's it's true here like mental health. I'm so glad it's being so talked about right now and like in the last few years it's really made a huge like leap and bound. But um you've got to take care of yourself aka put on the the dorky oxygen mask metaphor. It's not dorky though. It's real life-saving stuff whether you actually be an oxygen mask in an emergency or the metaphorical one. Um, yeah. So I just think that you've got to do that before you're even able to start dealing with everything else around you and be able to feed into other people around you. Like I still know those boundaries now. <laughs> Learning lesson. Learning, growing. Um, yes. Kate, I know we're, we're getting close to like ending our time here and I almost don't want to because it's just, this is such fascinating and helpful and useful and practical things that we're talking about. Um, one thing I know we both wanted to talk about was how how to set those boundaries and how to um, go forth in your job and put those boundaries up, whether you're in it or going into a new job. And then I think you had one or two other things you wanted to comment on too before we wrapped up. Yeah, I wanted to leave try and leave some practical advice for anyone listening who can relate to some of these, um, the boundary talk that we've been discussing and or burnout or things like that and offer some practical tips on how to negotiate boundaries or figure them out for yourself and stick with them. Um, so <laughs> I guess I'll just start. I was trying to think about it. Um, I think a lot of these we've sort of already mentioned, but um, being okay with saying no, learning how to say no, especially if you're a contractor, I feel like that's where it applies the most. Uh, Money is great, but it's not worth your mental health. It's not. And if you want to be in this job, if you want to continue to be your best at this job, offer a high level of service and safety and be a reliable crew member, and be in this job long term and not want to, I was trying not to say something too violent, but, um, you know, not want to leave the industry forever. Uh, That's not violent. If you haven't thought of that, you're lying. Oh, just telling you now. You're lying. Yeah. If you haven't considered violence. um, I am calling you out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
But saying no, like understand that saying no is not you being weak. It's you choosing longevity in this career, choosing safety and quality service, choosing to be a reliable team member and, you know, a smiling face for your clients. That's what saying no is. Um, so that there's that. And then if you're, uh, negotiating for a full-time position i've talked to some people kate is like so great to talk to about this she's a guru i'm not a guru but i (laughs) when i was um navigating this full-time the full-time job that i'm in now i was not looking for a full-time position i you know was like a year out from my burnout and had been contracting i was loving that for myself because i was able to say no i was able to manage my schedule much better and i was very nervous about getting into a full-time position where possibly i could let the same thing happen to me that happened in my last full-time position where i gave everything for the job and they just kept taking and taking and taking so for when discussions came up for this full-time position, I was very adamant about my boundaries and to the point where I was like, I am absolutely willing to walk away. Like, I don't need this full-time job. Contracting is great. Um, you know, I only want to be in this if it's a good fit for both of us and for it to be a good fit for me. I know that there's a standard of safety and service that I want to be able to offer. And to do that, I need to have a couple of these boundaries and I want them yeah. writing. <laughs> so go girl, go. Yay. Uh, so if you are starting a new job with someone, I would definitely advise trying to get some of your boundaries in writing where possible. Um, and those boundaries are going to be different for everybody and every account is different. Um, But I do think there, I found that there's two different things that um, really affect the crew members long-term health in a, uh, with a certain account. Um, And those are the amount of flying that they do and the amount of predictability there is. And you can have like, you can have not a lot of flying and not a lot of predictability. (laughs) Does that make sense? So it's not very predictable. Yeah pop-ups and random extensions and stuff, but you're not flying a a ton. You're not doing like 20, 20 day months. Um, Or you, you can have an account that you're flying a lot, but there's predictability. Like if I know I'm going to be on the road for a month, which I was earlier this year, Uh I'm, I'm okay with that. But if I have a month where I thought I was only going to be on the road 10 to 12 days and then trips got extended and then there was a pop-up here and now I had to commute and then I was on the road for 20 days, that month is going to look very different than the month that I knew I was going to be on the road that much. The prep that you can do for it. Yeah. And just honestly, like the mental fatigue that goes into when you think you know your schedule and then it keeps changing. Um, Yeah. So Walking into account, understanding what type of account it's going to be or setting up some rule, putting a couple of rules, a couple of boundaries in place to protect yourself, um, such as whether it's hard days off, um, saying like, hey, you know, I'll 
any trips that are already on the schedule, I'll put my hard days in around those. But if there's a pop-up, then like there's going to need to be coverage for it. Or it's going to need to be a conversation with me where I have the option to either get a contractor or accept maybe a daily rate for it or something. But finding your own, a reasonable baseline for yourself because, and I don't want this conversation to be confused with trying to like get a good deal or like work less and make more technically. Um, I do think there's something to be said about paying your dues also if you're new to the industry. Yeah. You know, and learning where those boundaries are for you and those are going to change. Um, but knowing that as flight attendants, we're really the only ones who can advocate for the boundaries that we need in order to do the job the best that we can. Well, remembering that um, and not being afraid to have that conversation with your managers, with your pilots, make sure they know that you're there for the job, you're ready to show up and work hard, but that it's more important, it's important to you that you are able to do that consistently and at the highest quality possible. And that in order to do that, we need to have some boundaries. I was actually talking to my manager because uh, I was like, hey, I'd love to like, I know I'm going to be talking about burnout uh, to some people and I, I want to make sure I'm giving good advice and understanding, you know, from a manager's perspective, uh, you know, how you feel about that. I was like, and when I was negotiating my contract for that with him, um, you know, I didn't really, I didn't have any guidance on how to do that. I just knew where my lines were and that I needed to protect myself because I was not going to go back to that traumatized state from before. Yeah. <laughs> Highly motivated to not let that happen. Um, and he actually, I remembered during the negotiations when we were talking about it, something, what I thought me saying all that stuff, I was afraid it would come across that I like didn't want to, wasn't willing to work hard or was just trying to yeah get a, get a good deal on, on, you know, flying less or whatever. Um, and he actually said that it's like, no, you know, the fact that, you know, these things about yourself, you're willing to advocate for yourself. It shows a level of experience that you have. He's like, and I'm, I, what was important to him was having a team that was going to be really solid, um, and reliable and, um, a long-term situation and highest quality service, highest quality safety. Um, so he realized that all the things I was saying about boundaries wasn't about trying to work less. It was about maintaining that high standard. And uh, he actually said he really respected that. That's amazing. I love that. And I'm so glad it worked out for you. Like, you're just in such a better place than I, I remember you being in two years ago. And I'm also like in an odd, not happy that you went through that, but I'm so happy of how you learned from it and that you have learned your tells. And now you're helping so many people that I, I, I just know that you're reaching so many people and so many people are coming to you for that advice because they know that you went through the ringer. Well, I want to, any flight attendant that's struggling with this, I do have a heart for helping you avoid burnout, helping anyone avoid that. And I know if anyone loves this job as much as I do, you know, learning how to stay healthy in it and manage it um, so it can be a long-term career. Uh, I'm happy to talk with anyone and 
tell them all the mistakes I made so they can learn from it <laughs> anytime. King gives really good advice, but she also gives really tough love. Like I know I have been verbally like witchad by her and like <laughs> in the best way possible because I would be like, oh yeah, like I think I'm going to do this. And she'd be like, no, you're not. Like why? Or, you know, I would say I'm fine. And she's like, but Jen, you're not fine. I remember telling you to, I was just like, you need, you need to leave your job. For a long time. Like how far into my job do you think I was? Like maybe a year. I I just know that I felt like I was telling you that for a while. And finally, when you pulled the trigger, I was like, thank God, like this is that I, f- I did feel bad, though, because sometimes I um I think it's just because I'm not a very patient person. And that's definitely a toxic trait of mine. But I'm not either. I, I know. I uh, but I was like, you need to you need to quit this is too toxic this is unhealthy contracting will be so much better for you and which it is it good yeah i love hearing that how are you doing now (laughs) let me tell you i think it's all about finding your niche and i was always nervous to take the leap into contracting i'm a full-time gal i like the stability i like getting insurance (laughs) i like i like schedules so contracting is a, a learning curve for me, but I'm also learning that I'm really loving it. Like I was telling Kate before we popped on here to do this interview, like my parents recently told me and actually quite a few other friends of mine have told me like, you're the happiest you've been in like a long time. Like my parents specifically said, you're the happiest we've seen you in two years, which is how long I was at my last job. And they, everyone just has really good things to say about how I'm healing right now because I am very much so healing from a lot of trauma in the last year and then if you even look deeper than that two years um and so contracting is really fitting what I'm trying to accomplish in my life right now which is healing and I was telling um I was telling a friend of mine that um she texted me this beautiful text and she was just like I can't remember when it was I think it was when I launched or started my Instagram page for this podcast and announced that I was starting it. And she knows everything just like you, just like every part of my last year and two years. And she sent me this text that was just like, I'm so fucking proud of you and how you're choosing to heal in this season and you're going to do great. And I remember I cried. Let me tell you, it was 7 a.m. I cried Um, (laughs) on my to-do list check for the day. Um, But that's, it was just this huge affirmation and continues to be. And I'm not saying I'm completely healed or perfect right now. I'm still working through a lot, but I'm really doing it on my own terms and taking that control back that I lost for a long time. And it's incredible. So contracting is going really well. I think one of the biggest things for me too is I'm falling back in love with being a flight attendant and and doing my job. I would have glimpses of it at my last job, but it was getting fewer fewer and farther in between where I would have those pinch me moments of like, oh my God, I love my job so much. And now it's like every trip, I'm like, this is so refreshing. This is what my job used to be like. I'm getting back to that place where it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's challenging. It's oh, <laughs> so good. Amazing. I don't say I told you so, but uh, you definitely did. And you have the full rights to it. I'm putting it on audio recording. You have full rights to tell me I told you so because you did for a very long time. Yay. Oh, but it makes me so happy. I love seeing you 
thriving again. And it's great when you can get that back. Absolutely. And I'm glad we both have. Me too. It's I feel so lucky to be able to be here now and look back at where I was and see how far I've come. Like I remember still very clearly those low moments when I felt like I would never know what it felt like to be happy again. <laughs> you know, it's like very dramatic, depressing, but no, or even worse, you were like, oh, this is life now. And you've accepted that it's going to be hard and terrible and you didn't like going to work and this was it. Like, that's where I had gotten was I was stale. I was like, this is it. It's terrible. Ugh. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a bummer for my life. But I guess this is how it's going. Um, don't don't accept that in your life. Don't do it. Do something about it. <laughs> yeah. Do something about it. Come in through me and we'll give you some tough love and help talk you out of the downward spiral. We've been there. High five. High five to us for getting out of it. Have you seen that Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd video? The look at us. I didn't think we'd be here. Not me. I love it. <laughs> but we did. Kate, it's been so good having you on. Um, I'm so happy that you were able and willing to come on for Mental Health Awareness Month. Like, it's just, I'm so happy that you were able to come and share your story and we definitely want to have you back to talk about more because I feel like we just scratched the surface today. And I'm so, I just, I could stay here for another like two hours and just talk with you about it. And we talk all the time. So I hope people at home feel the same way. And we also just want to make sure like people know, like we are not licensed therapists. We are not like prescribed or uh, I don't even know the right word. We're not qualified to give you guys advice on how to diagnose yourself or how to help yourself. However, we just wanted to share what works for us. And, you know, whether you're going through burnout, ex exhaustion, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, whatever you might be battling, just know that there's this whole aviation community out there for you that is willing to give you like a very warm hug and support you. Like, feel free to reach out to any of us at any time or whoever you can reach out to. And also, if this resonates with you that you're like, oh, I have that happen. Oh, I'm not super happy when I drive to work. Or, oh, yeah, that feels like maybe am I in a toxic thing? Please evaluate. Get ahead of it. <laughs> like help yourself first. Put on your oxygen mask and help yourself first. Cheesy, but true. It's cheesy, but true. I love it. Kate, thank you. And I, again, just appreciate you sharing your story. And I'm so glad you were able to come on. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for the space. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye.